Moses and the CIA, take a dog breather. Hey, Kat, how are you today? Doing great, Dan. How about yourself? Excellent. So today we are talking about taking a dog breather. What the heck does that mean? Taking a dog breather? Let's get into this, Ken. Let's do it. It's good to great. see you. It looks like you've had a long week. So what's been I going have, on? I've had a long week. I've been in Seattle all week with a client and uh, I, I got clear on something that I find happening across the board, across industries, and that people are starting to voice more and more over these, uh, these past few months. And it's the issue of burnout. And the thing that has just amazed me is that it seems to go from the secretary to a field worker to an executive. And though they're experiencing it in different ways, there are some really common things that I hear coming up. And I want to have a conversation with you about that tonight because I think people who are tuning in um, will find it useful and uh, are probably experiencing some form of burnout themselves. Here's what I'm thinking, that we already are overworked in a lot of ways. And the pandemic and the sort of general angst around so many different things going on in the world, the economy, politics, whatever it happens to be, just compounds that. And what I'm seeing is that with remote work, people have less social support than they normally did. And as a result of that, that's one of the biggest contributors to what we, what we would call burnout, that lack of social support. And so without that, people are left to their own devices. Priorities start to give way to this notion that everything is important and everything has to get done. People start working in a more siloed fashion. And damn, by that I mean that, that people, instead of working as a part of a team, are just working on a team. They become individuals functioning together uh, in the finance department, for example, as opposed to really working in a collaborative way with each other, supporting each other, leveraging each other's strengths and weaknesses. That's one of the downsides that I'm seeing to remote work is this, this lack of social support. And I, I did a little digging and about, about three fourths of all employees across the country report some form of burnout. And you know, the, the sad thing about that is by working harder, there's this notion that we'll get more done and we'll be more productive. And yet the opposite is true. By, by working harder and longer hours, by having no sense of prioritization, by not having any work-life harmony, and by losing focus, we actually are much more likely to take a sick day, about two thirds more likely to actually take sick days, uh, about 25% more likely to go to an emergency room. And people start looking for new work when they're feeling that burned out too. And they don't feel like they have a recourse to anyone. They don't feel like there's anybody to talk to about it. And so, the, the knee-jerk reaction is, I'll just look for a different job. I'll find something else that'll be less stressful. 
so that's what I'm seeing shining, uh, showing up. And, uh, and like I said, I'd love to get your insight and have a conversation about this because I think it's a, it's a big issue and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So Ken, as you know, um, a handful of the clients that I work with are professional athletes. And what I was a little surprised to see was these, I'll say millionaire uh, athletes who have had a great, usually a great career where they get to enjoy uh, the luxury of being a pseudo celebrity in their sport, uh, traveling from city to city for games, going out on the town, enjoying the town. Um, and, you know, just all the fruits, I'll say, of their labor, everything that came with their celebrity as a athlete, um, it, it completely went in the opposite direction with them be, allowing them to come back to their sport, but doing it in a completely different fashion. So it depends on the sport we're talking about, but I'll use baseball as one example. In professional baseball, uh, right now they're in the World Series as we're filming this, but as the regular season was going on, they had normal stadiums that were empty, no fans, and um, probably a good decision on their part. But with that, they, when they went city to city, they were put up in hotels where they were told not to leave their hotel room to even visit their teammates who they just spent half a day on the field with. They said, stay in your hotel. If we catch you leaving your hotel for any reason, uh, you could be kicked off the team. There could be an issue. So all their meals were being delivered to them in their hotel room. They, they weren't even supposed to go down the hall or to another room to hang out or visit with anybody else. And we could judge that all day long. But the point of my story is it went from these athletes being able to enjoy their, like I say, the fruits of their labor, enjoying the travel and everything that came with it. Uh, to now being almost a version of house arrest. And nobody was prepared for what that was going to be like. So what did this cause? This was massive isolation and this feeling of being alone, even though, weirdly enough, they're on a team and they're traveling with a team. So as you described that to me, that's what went through my head was, you know, you're talking about companies, potentially hundreds of people in a company, and they have divisions inside of companies and they're, they work together. But then we just go, ah, we flipped a switch and we're like, nope, you can work at home now, right? Or only some people come in the office, others don't. There's all these, there's these different rules of the game, which again, probably all make sense, but nobody had a chance to prepare for that. Nobody had a chance to be like, go through a training or be told like, here's how we dealt with our pandemic because there hasn't been a global pandemic of this scale for a hundred years. So now we're all just kind of figuring it out, right? We're, we're like, what do I do now? And it's sad to say, but the reality behind it all, and this is across all spectrums, including the professional sports, is you are seeing massive increases in depression and that social isolation. And, and then it's leading to all sorts of negative effects. So I think the outcome of this call, and I'm so glad you brought this up, Ken, the outcome of this call, I think for both of us is to provide you with some ideas, call them ideas, call them tools, call them just ways that we've helped counsel and guide and coach other people inside of companies. We're talking about athletes. We're talking about just regular everyday people and how they could better navigate this new normal, how they can uh, deal with 
not just feeling burnt out and trying their best to go through day to day and figure out what to do. It's absolutely the commitment that I have, and, and I know you share it. We, we want to leave people with something that they can take and use out of the conversation. And it is across everything. Uh, you, you pointed out sports industry. I, I work with people in construction. I work with people in the medical industry, in technology, in law. Uh, in, uh, it, and what I'm seeing, too, is something I call contaminated time. And that is that when you're at home and there's no distinction between one event or another, things just blend and bleed into the next without any kind of a routine or ritual like we used to have. Uh, unless you have some skill in creating that, it becomes really challenging. And, and so an example is you know, before you might be used to getting up early, you drive to the gym, you work out, you come home, you have coffee with your spouse, you get the kids ready to school, you drop the kids off at school, you go to work, you work, you come home, you have dinner with your spouse, your family, you go to bed. Rinse and repeat the next day. But the good thing in that was that that movement to and from work, to and from the gym, all of those different markers that you had allowed you to distinguish time and events. You could actually close something out in your mind and then move to the next thing. So there was a sense of completion even if you weren't done. And that part is, is the thing that with remote work in particular, I see as being one of the biggest challenges. So I think a, a simple recommendation is look for ways, if you're working remotely, where you can create some sort of distinction between events so that time is clean and not contaminated. And to your point about the, the flipping the switch thing, it's not just in the work in, in the workaday world. I, my, my dad's coming up on 95 years old. He lives in a retirement community, but he's incredibly active. He's still driving. Up until March, he was going to the police department every day, working as a volunteer. He was teaching Sunday school on Sundays, going to church, singing in choir. He had all of these different things. And then all of a sudden, there was a shutdown. And again, probably for all the right reasons. Uh, they've, they've all stayed safe, and you know, thankfully, he's healthy and, and not infected. Uh, and, and all that's fantastic. But on the flip side, you know, how does one deal with all of those things? Instead of being able to go to the dining hall and talk with other residents, meals are now delivered to their doors or they eat by themselves. And so it's just to pick up on what you were saying about the sports teams. I, I think um, you know, we do well to remind ourselves that, that this crosses all sorts of borders and boundaries. And as we're working to improve our own situations, always good to look up and around for ways that we might assist other people who could use our help as well. No, I love it, Ken. I have, I could go down so many paths in this and I have so many thoughts, but the, the most recent thought that just came to my head as you were speaking was that we're all in this together. And I know that's a cliche now, it's in every commercial for every company in the whole world. We're all in this together. And we really are. It doesn't matter like political leanings. It doesn't matter country, any of the stuff we could divide ourselves with. We are all in this together. The reason I'm so aware of that is because when we were talking about these millionaire athletes and then we're talking about like 
the field worker, right? Uh, just like the difference between them as far as like economic status and like their, the way they view the world is so different. But yet we're all in this together. They're actually in this moment in time, we're all facing this brand new. We're all like virgins. We're all like fresh going like, what do I do? And we all have to face this. So to me, that was my first thought. I was like, wow, we are, I think that should be unifying and exciting for everybody to think like, I am just like a professional athlete. I am. I am just like these millionaires. They're stuck in their homes. Now they might have amazing homes, but they're in their homes too, right? Or they're working out of their, they never had an office before. They're creating an office and they probably have their kids around screaming and yelling and doing all this stuff. So the same we're all trying to navigate this together. What I've been doing with everybody, and this has been probably going all the way back to March of 2020, is as soon as I realized, hey, this is a real thing affecting everybody, and we just have to, I didn't know how long it was going to last, and we're still in it right now. Um, I would, at the beginning of every coaching call, I'd ask at least two questions, always three, but at least two. And these are the two questions I'd ask. I'd say, number one, what is something you're grateful for because of COVID? because of COVID. And it always took people back like, like because the natural tendency is for us to be mad at it, right? To be like, no, this sucks. I'm mad this happened. I wish it didn't happen. I don't like how it's being dealt with all the things we could go down the negative path, but it's like, no, just like I said, we're on this together. Like this is an opportunity. So like the, the biggest answer there is you probably haven't had so much time around your loved ones. You probably haven't had so much time for reflection. You have, probably haven't had this much time to consider if you want to start working out. So I really think the answer to that question is, you know what COVID's given you? It's given you an opportunity to decide to do something different, to look at something from a brand new way, to spend time on something where before you'd say, I have no time for that. I'm too busy. Well, now this has given you the time that you didn't have before. And then the second question I always ask people is, what is something you're looking forward to or excited about, even though you know it could be canceled or postponed? Because obviously we don't even know. We talked about that before. It's like we don't know what tomorrow brings. We're only promised today and in this moment. So it's like it gives people a chance to look at this situation that we can't change and to go, I'm going to find some good in this and I'm going to find something that I see some hope some hope that the future will be better. Even though, we, you know what, tomorrow they can say, nope, scratch that, it's worse. But right now, what can we hope for? What can we be excited about or look forward to that could be better? I agree, we are all in this together. We're one people, one planet, and we are navigating our way through something that the world hasn't seen since 1918. So it is, it is a big deal. I, I think the opportunities are, are hundredfold uh, for people to look at this. And, you know, for, for those of us who are fortunate and enjoy a measure of privilege, uh, we have an opportunity to look at those who are hurting around us and to ask ourselves what we can do to help improve their situation. There's a, a great opportunity there. Uh, we have an opportunity to examine uh, on a country by country basis, on a state by state basis, the systems we do and don't have in play. This is, this is on a bit of a grander scale than thinking just about ourselves, which I think is absolutely important because you've got to have that foundation of who you are 
solid for you to be able to step out and care for others. And so it's an opportunity to look and, and say, man, in the midst of this incredible stress test, if you think of it like a, uh, you know, how, how buildings are, are stressed and, and how aircraft are stressed in their testing, you know, how, how does their structural integrity hold up um, under extreme pressure? That's kind of what it can feel like. And back to the beginning of the conversation about people feeling burned out, I think it's because there's this intense amount of pressure being applied and we're, we're being stressed. And we have a chance to look at the systems around us now too and say, how's the company working under this kind of stress? How is our healthcare being delivered under this kind of stress? How are all these various different things holding up? How are emergency food supplies holding up? How, how are our, um, our, our essential workers, um, our frontline workers that we've depended on so much, how are they holding up? So Dan, I think it's a chance for us to absolutely examine ourselves, to look at things like I have more time, I, I have a deeper appreciation for my spouse, I have a deeper appreciation for my kids, for my own life, for my own health. I don't take for granted that I get up in the morning and can breathe and can move about. You know, I have just a simple and deep and profound appreciation for the fact that I'm alive and healthy. And what a great place to begin. And on a broader level, there's a chance for us to look around and ask how we can be of service, what we can do to contribute, how we can make things better. And I think the, the key is, because we are going to make it through this, the key is, what do we want to maintain when this is done? What are the things that came out of it to your original point? Like, what are you grateful for? Well, if it's spending more time with your family, how are you going to perpetuate that when things return to a quote, somewhat normal sort of way of being? So I want to challenge a little bit what you said there, because I love it from the perspective of, uh, thinking beyond yourself and thinking how you can help people. And this is, again, a cliche, but they're always like, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. And what I'm seeing in a lot of people is where, you know, you could have husbands and fathers and you could have, you know, employees and different people in different roles. Um, it's almost the last thing they're thinking about is how they can help someone else because they're so down or depressed or stressed or feeling just like, oh, I don't feel like myself. I'm just like you said, burnt out at wit's end. So I almost think like where we need to start is, is like, how can we help the individual? If the one person there, you're sitting by yourself listening to this, like, what can we do to help you? And hopefully through helping you, that you'll take Ken's advice and think beyond just yourself and go, now, now my oxygen mask is on, I'm breathing clean air. How can I help those around me? And then see how far you can spread that out, like the pay it forward motto. Um, so while I love and think it's amazing that you're thinking about all the things that how, what do we want this to look like and how can we help those less fortunate than us? I think that's difficult for a lot of people because they're worried. So like, they just feel so, I don't even know how to describe it. You're using the word burnt out, but it doesn't matter the term. It's like, they're just feeling not like themselves and they're just feeling like, I don't know what to do. So uh, let's stick with the question thing that I said for a second. If, we're kind of like build upon this. Like we're, we're putting our own little bricks in place for people to try to give them something that they can do or something they can apply. I would say those questions that I ask at the beginning of every one of my coaching calls, what is something you're grateful for? And what is something you're excited about or looking forward to? And you put those caveats in. It's like, I'm grateful for because of COVID, like because this is happening, 
I have an opportunity. There's something in my life that wasn't there before or wasn't aware of or I took for granted before that's now there. And then two, something I'm excited about or looking forward to because I think the one thing is people don't have enough hope. They're, they're too like, I don't know what tomorrow brings. So they just give up on thinking about anything that could be better later. But I think it's important to hold on to that hope and then accept it, what could, it could cancel it. It might be postponed indefinitely or whatever, but to be able to hold on to that hope. So I'd say if there was... If there was this single tool, the first tool that I'd say that all of you should apply, it's just ask yourself those questions. It's like when you're feeling just like, oh, I don't know what to do, just go, there's something. There's gotta be at least one thing I'm grateful for right now. One thing, what is it, what is it? And challenge yourself, because people always answer me, not always, sometimes people answer me like nothing. There's literally nothing I'm grateful for. And I'm like, okay, it could be something simple. You said it, Ken, like you're, you're grateful for your breathing. Like that, that's how simple it could be. You're grateful you're breathing. I, I write in a journal every morning. It's called the five minute journal. You guys can all look it up. And it just asks similar questions to this. And I find myself not wanting to be so repetitive, like say the same things I'm grateful for over and over. So I'll look around my room sometimes and say, oh, I'm grateful for all those headphones. I love these headphones. Oh, I'm grateful for, oh, it, the grass is still green. It hasn't burned out yet. I'm grateful for, oh, it's raining. You know, like, so the simple things, we don't have to make it something big. So that's, that'd be my challenge first for you guys is when you're feeling at your worst, check yourself simply by going, what is one thing I'm grateful for? What is just one thing I'm grateful for? And then allow yourself to give yourself a little bit of hope and go, what is at least one thing I'm looking forward to or I'm excited about? So like Dan and I were discussing, it's, it's really important to take care of yourself, to build a foundation on which you can then help others. And there are some of you for whom stepping outside of yourself, you know, going down to a, a local food bank and assisting there, just as an example, might be the thing that actually strengthens you. So you know the kind of person you are. And I would just encourage you to pay attention to that. Your, your feelings are feedback. Pay attention to them. And if the thought of going out and helping somebody else, volunteering somewhere, if that's the thing that's going to give you the strength and the stability that you need to build back, then go do that. That's a great point because what I didn't think about was how often we can get so caught up in ourselves that we tend to think like we're the center of the universe and we think right. our problems are such a big deal when a lot of times we're talking about first world problems, right? And be able to, like you said, like maybe go volunteer and help somebody less fortunate than us gives us that perspective. We need to go, wow, maybe my thing is not that big of a deal. And that's what helped show it to me. And Dan, that's the thing that I think inspires gratitude in some people is when you have a chance to see what others are struggling with and then take a look at your own situation. Oftentimes gratitude arises up out of that. I've coached some people that are just in, you know, this, this state of, um, where they've described it as, I feel like I'm drowning. Like, you know, not just burned out, but like I'm drowning. And so I start with, uh, I start with let's declare a breakdown. Let's just, not try to you know push through it but let's declare a breakdown and just stop and pause and take a breath and then if you know they're they're in the middle of a work day let's just take a look at that thing which you absolutely have to get done today which if you didn't get it done uh, there would be severe repercussions 
and just do that. And I liken it to an ER and triage. It's like, you know what? You're bleeding out, you get taken care of right now. You've got a sprained ankle, you can wait till tomorrow. And I think, I think just, you know, depending on where people are at and people who are listening know where they're at. Uh, sometimes the best thing you can do is just stop, declare a breakdown, take a breath, and the breakthrough comes in recognizing that you can actually create a priority moving forward. Um, 100% in agreement on the gratitude piece. What am I grateful for? Uh, because it just realigns the way that your mind's working on a practical level. If you're in the midst of something that you have to get done, uh, to get clear that not everything is a priority, not everything has to be done, and to give yourself the freedom to be able to look around and ask if it's important, if it must be done, if it's essential. And then beyond that, to keep reevaluating through the course of the day, to keep triaging so that you never find yourself back in that cycle again. I love, I love everything you said there. And I think what you said about what's important, what's essential, like what must you do? Um, I don't think we allow ourselves to celebrate small wins. I almost think like if, if each of you looked at your day ahead of you and you said, um, you know what is going to be a win for me today is no joke for some people. It's it, take a shower. Taking a shower is going to be a win for me today because a lot of times people are stuck at home. They're working out of their house and they just get, they get so far out of their routines that they look back and they're like, Oh man, like I've just, I'm feeling burnt out because I haven't showered in a couple of days and I haven't like, I haven't worked out in weeks and I'm just snacking all day long and I'm doing all these little things. So sometimes these tiny little wins can start like giving you that hope and can give you some of that like upward momentum that I think we all need. We all need like to not think it has to be some amazing thing that we're going after or achieving, but simply it could be like, you know what, tomorrow, I'm gonna shower when I wake up. And that's gonna to try to shower tomorrow. And then if you decide to do it the next day, and the next day, I'm gonna to shower today again. And then celebrating like, yeah, hey, good day. I think we need to give ourselves these leeway or rules to be able to go, it was a great day. Really, what'd you do? You know what I did? I went outside and walked around the block. Wow, it's amazing. It's like, no, give yourself these small wins because it's hard to make big wins right now, but sometimes these little things that we can do can give ourselves these small wins and can help just kind of give us some inspiration or build that positive momentum we need to like face the next day, knowing that we won the day before. My greatest guide right now is my dog. And what seemingly a small win is paying attention to the dog when he comes into the office and instead of shooing him away or I'm too busy now, literally taking his cue and getting up and going outside and playing with him in the backyard or putting on his leash and taking him for a walk around the neighborhood. And he seems to do it about once an hour, which is kind of perfect, like to get up, stretch, get away from a screen for, an, for five minutes, maybe even 10 minutes, and just to get a little bit of physical activity in and play with somebody who loves you unconditionally. Like, there is nothing better than that. There's no judgment. There's just like this amazing creature that wants nothing more than to just be with you. And, and to do that, I mean, talk about a seemingly small 
uh, win, but one that matters so much when you do it. And that the benefits are incredible. And to the earlier point that I made about trying to give yourself some sort of form and function so you don't have all this contaminated time, just time bleeding, one activity bleeding into the next. Doing that is, is like the simplest possible thing you could do just to delineate the course of the day and give yourself a break. You talked about your dog. I love dogs, I have two dogs. And uh, it made me think about something that dogs do that we as humans can start doing. And I learned this um, from a guy named Andrew Huberman. And he has, you can look him up, it's Huberman Labs. And uh, he's a neuroscientist, I believe. And uh, he taught me something that changed the whole way that I think about one piece of advice I've been giving people for years. This is so commonly given. Just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath, right? So we all know that. What does that mean? For most people, it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Now, he says that animals have a built-in thing called a physiological sigh. And he says, if you look at a dog, dogs do this when they lay down. It's a double inhale through the nose. So it's more like a, and you all know, if you've ever cried or seen somebody cry, what are they like? They're like crying, right? It's actually a built-in relaxation tool. And it's, it's just given to us as a gift from our creator. They built our bodies this way, but nobody ever told us, no, don't just take a deep breath. Take a physiological sigh. What does that mean? A physiological sigh, I got this from Andrew Huberman, giving him credit, is a double inhale through the nose. So it's almost like you go to the top of your first inhale and then you go a little higher. So in real time, it's like, and then you exhale through the mouth a long exhale like Superman. And that seems like the same thing as a deep breath, but for whatever reason, it activates certain things. These, they say these sacs that sit behind your, your nose and your nostrils, and it cleans the air differently for the way the air comes in. Instead of breathing through your mouth, you breathe through your nose. It cleans this air differently, and it allows you to just simply relax. So another simple, simple tool is anytime you're like, you realize you're just breathing shallow or you're in that depressed state or you're not feeling good and you're thinking, gosh, I should take a deep breath or need some fresh air. Any of these thoughts come to your mind, take a physiological sigh, deep breath, a double inhale through the nose and then exhale through the mouth and allow yourself to relax. Maybe do that three times, four times, doesn't matter. Do it until you start to feel relaxed and calm and give yourself the ability to control your emotions. If you've seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, one of my favorite scenes is when Robin Williams says to Matt Damon, he repeats it over and over, he says, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And while I'm a huge advocate of personal responsibility, I wanna say that to all of you. This situation, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You didn't create COVID. You didn't create the lockdowns and the leaving work or getting fired from your job or any of these things that we're now dealing with because of it. It's not your fault. Let yourself go. And we're all in this together. So you're one of 7 billion plus people that we're all dealing with this. And it's not your fault. Let that off your shoulders. Alleviate that. Take a physiological side deep breath and realize like, it's all going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. So we nicknamed that the boxer exhale. We have a boxer. And uh, whenever Dustin like circles, he lays down, 
inhales and then, and we know he's down. It's just that amazing space of peace that he enters um, when he does that. It's great to have a, a term to associate with it. You know, I think the, I think the piece about it's not your fault um, can't be understated uh, because there's, there's a, a concept um, that I learned in landmark education about uh, living in the question. Can you be with life as it is and as it is not? And not try to put a pretty bow on it, not try to wrap it up uh, and make it all be a particular way, but can you just be with life as it's occurring right now in the moment? And this does go back to something we had talked about before in terms of the now, past is gone, futures not guaranteed. We have this moment here and now. And so what can we do in this moment here and now to just simply be with life as it is and as it is not, and not to judge it and not to judge ourselves for it and not to even evaluate the information that comes in as good or bad, but simply to see it as input that's giving us an opportunity to respond. And this can get, I, you know, how do, how do I even approach that? And I think that the simplest possible way to do that um, is through what you talked about, Dan, which is the breath. The simplest possible way to start is just to breathe, just to allow yourself to come to center through the breath. And once you do that, then you can branch out. Then you can talk about gratitude. Then we can talk about all those other pieces that we discussed so far today. Uh, we can talk about what it's like to actually look at the day in a calmer way when you're breathing normally, when your brain's oxygenated. You're not going to make a good decision about priorities if you're hyperventilating. You're not going to make a good decision about priorities if you're in a space of fear. And one of the great benefits of that kind of a breath and about coming back to breathing anytime you get in that place of stress, overwhelm, or fear, that sense that you're drowning, come back to your breath, and then you're actually in a space where your rational mind is in play again, and you have an opportunity to make good choices and to put them into play, to see what comes back, not to judge it, and then to make another choice based on that input. And to me, it's that rhythm, if we can build that up, that allows us to move through the day with some degree of, of grace. For those of you working out of your home, make a clear delineation between what is work and what is home, even if it's the same place. And here's a simple, simple way to do it. Habit stacking simply means this. Uh, if you brush your teeth every day, hopefully you do, then you might put a little sticky note next to your toothbrush that says, uh, give yourself a high five, corny thing, but you put a little note there. So then you, every time you brush your teeth, you'd remember, oh yeah, give myself a high five. Okay. That's a habit stack. So here's the habit stack I want you to create for yourself. Have a item or a thing that gives your brain this delineation between I'm now at work and I'm now off of work. I'm now at home. And it could be something as a different pair of pants. I know a lot of you don't even wear pants if you're on Zoom calls, 
but it could be that simple. You could go, these are my work pants. And so you stack the habit of when I put these pants on, it gives my brain the indicator that I'm at work. And when I take those off or put on another pair of pants or whatever you put on after that, that's clearly indicating I'm no longer at work. Your brain will catch up to this and it will give you that sense of relief that like, okay, work is over. Because I only work with my big boy pants on. I only work when I have those on. And if I don't have those on, I'm off work. It's after hours. So even in the same location, if you just habit stack, you just, you link one item to another thing, that will give your brain the chance to catch up. And pretty soon it will just know and it'll feel that sense of relief like, okay, I'm off work. Even that simple act of just switching pants. Summary from my perspective. Um... Be okay declaring a breakdown. Uh, be okay take a look, taking a look at the day's activities ahead and triaging them. And think about it. Is anything bleeding out, so to speak? And only do that. And, and then rearrange whatever else you have to rearrange. Be in communication with people uh, about other responsibilities that you have and make sure that that gets handled. Don't ignore them. Be in communication about them. Be okay to constantly triage during the day as you're moving through it. And in the process of doing that, uh, you're going to get better and better and better at true prioritization and not having everything equally weighted. And the final thing, and Dan, this, this goes um, to, your, to your point around habit stacking and delineation, the notion of contaminated time. Give yourself a break between various activities so you can actually bring something to completion, even if it's not done, but so that you have a sense that that portion of the day is now complete and you can move on to something else. It'll clear your mind. It'll allow you to actually take a breath emotionally, take a breath physically, and move on to the next subject with a clearer head. So we threw a lot at you on this episode. So if you saw value in everything we were talking about, or even a part of what we're talking about, find your little golden nugget in there. Find the thing that you're going to go, you know, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do that thing. Because we probably gave you six or seven different things you could do. But pick the one. Pick at least one thing out of this group of items that we talked about and go back and listen to that part and go, you know, I'm going to do that. And then tomorrow when you wake up, go today, I'm going to do that one thing. And if it worked, maybe you go back and then apply another one and whatever you decide to do. But we just want to provide you as many tools as we can so you can get over these feelings that we've not dealt with before and you can start feeling better. You can go from being burnt out to being filled up with energy. So have a great week. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out MosesInTheCIA.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, check out dancrum.com.